And hello. Hey, I'm Ashley. And I'm Tania. You're listening to another episode of You I Do, a podcast that's going to help you plan for after the wedding is over. And so on and so on. <laughs> We had a really good conversation today. Would you agree? I do agree. I think this conversation will set us up for life, literally and figuratively. <laughs> <laughs> like there was so much that we discussed today that people don't like to talk about. So of course, that was even more reason for us to talk about it. You know, I do think that People talk about it, but only I feel like a certain demographic talks about it a little bit more than the African-American community. And so I do Mm. think this topic is talked about, but not as often. Mm -hmm. This is a conversation where your parents are like, "Mm -mm, we're not talking about that. You know, like it's like one of those taboo type conversations, but it's actually a conversation that we need to have with whoever is in your family. Y'all need to have this conversation. Very, very true. Um, And it's so, I think you're better prepared when you have the conversation sooner than later, because when it's later, sometimes it's too late to be able to make changes that can benefit everybody or makes more sense. So we hope you don't find this conversation to be too morbid, but something that you should listen to pass it along to your spouse or your spouse-to-be, maybe even your parents. Tell them, hey, I listened to this episode of Who I Do. I want you to listen to it, and then we need to talk. (laughs) But we hope you enjoy. Awesome. Well, we have a very special guest with us today. Yes, would you like to introduce yourself? Hey, my name's Veronica McClendon. I am an attorney. I'm the owner of McClendon Law and Consulting, LLC. We are located in Macon, Georgia, and um, we we do a lot of stuff. We help people to preserve their wealth, to transfer their wealth, to build their wealth. And we do that through estate planning, which is what we're going to talk about today probate. Um, We also help families who have inherited heirs property and we help farmers with their legal needs. I love all of that. And for those that don't know, I went to college with Veronica. So I'm really excited to have her on. I feel like any opportunity we can to bring on a Mercer alum, I'm a thousand percent here for it, but really excited to talk to you in this vein tonight, because I think this is very, very important. But before we dive into that, can you share a little bit about your background? Kind of like, okay, what got you into the space in the first place? Like what drew you to it? Because there are a lot of, like the law has a lot of different areas you could go into. So what was it about kind of like family? Is it family law, I guess? Or like in this space of like, you know what I'm trying to say? <laughs> yeah, I know what you're trying to say. And, you know, I actually have a hard time describing it myself sometimes. So it's not family law. Um, okay. You know, it's kind of estate planning is its own area of practice. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times you'll see people do estate planning and they'll do probate as well. Because estate mm-hmm. planning is preparing for when we know we all going to go one day. So preparing mm-hmm. for that moment. 
and making sure that we have a plan in place. And then probate is after a person has passed away, making mm-hmm. sure that everything's transferred over legally. So, yeah, I, so I would never thought that I would have got into these areas. When I was in law school, I intentionally did not take any classes related to estate planning, probate. I didn't want to do anything with real estate. Like I intentionally <laughs> did not take those classes. And here I am. I was about to say, <laughs> and look at how it all worked out. <laughs> yes. Like, cause I was like, estate planning is morbid. I don't want to talk about death. Right. I don't want to talk about probate cause that's death too. And real estate just sounded boring. Um, <laughs> but I could have been wrong. I couldn't have been more wrong. So yeah. Um, I guess you asked me, how did I get into it? I told you why I didn't want to do it when I was in law school. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as how I got into it, the, the bug was first planted when I was in practice. I had my own firm probably about 10 years ago now. It's kind of crazy. But I had my own firm and I was working with children with special needs and their families and making sure that they had the access to appropriate services at school. And I got to a point where I was just kind of over that because it it felt like I was fighting with teachers, fighting with principals. And those are the people that you don't really want to fight on a day-to-day basis. You know, they have responsibilities, but it just wasn't what I wanted to be doing with my area of practice with my my law degree. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was getting ready to wrap my firm up and I started to hear about estate planning as a way to help families and as a way to help people to build wealth. And and that just kind of piqued my interest. I'm glad that you're doing this because I don't think maybe even five years ago, I would have even really thought about estate planning as a thing that I even needed to consider in like an immediate future. But as I've honestly, in the last five years, have lost three out of four of my grandparents. And one, the, my last one is dealing with dementia and all of the things around that. I'm now seeing, you know, we're having those conversations about the state and power of attorney and executor and all of these things. And it's like, oh, okay, this is stuff that a lot of people, I'm guessing, probably wait until the last minute to have these conversations or wait until it's too late. And it would just be, you know, it would just serve us all (laughs) to basically be aware of these things and just be knowledgeable about it. And similar to like what you were saying, you know, you don't want to think about it because it's like his death is morbid. You don't want to think about that. That just feels sad, but it's like, it's going to happen to everybody and we don't know when it's going to happen. So you might as well be prepared for it before that time comes. Yeah. You know, and the thing is, I've started to see estate planning as something that's very positive and something that we can look forward to. Mm -hmm. And the way that I do that is by using it as a way to frame your vision for your life. Because when you look at the end, you know, we think about Stephen Covey's The Seven Habits of Successful People. One of them is begin with the end in mind. And so when we think about estate planning, we're thinking about the end and it can feel more of it, but it also can be a way to, to focus us to say, OK, what do I want to be able to say that I accomplished at the end of my life? Who is it that I want to be able to bless? What do I want to leave to um, the people that I leave behind? What do I want them to receive? So it's like a way for you to start thinking about that early on. And I think about, you know, you all were talking about this having this topic be 
something discussed when you're considering getting married. Like th- this is a way for you to think, okay, so if we're going to get into this together, what mm-hmm. do we want this end result to be? What's the future look like for us? It's, it's a way to get out of the warm and fuzzies yeah. and to get into the real, like what's our future. I actually had a conversation with a relatively young, a, a newlywed couple. Yeah, they're newlyweds. They're less than a year married. And we were talking about assets that they acquired before they got married and whether or not those assets would be allotted to each other mm-hmm. or if they would go to their families of origin, their parents, their siblings, because mm-hmm. they're still kind of new in their journey. But these assets that they built, up, they built these up well before they even met this person. So that, you know, it was just a really good conversation to me to think about okay, like we need to really think about this. Are are these, you know, once we get married, is it all in the same pot? Or is right. what's mine, mine, and what's yours, yours? And thinking about what you're going to put in your will, that'll yeah. frame that conversation for you real quick. Mm. I don't think a lot of people have these conversations just on a general basis. And so I'm so happy that we're talking about this today. You know, I think that this is probably going to create some conversations, which is what you want, especially as a engaged or like a newly engaged engaged and then a newly married couple yes definitely happy that we're having this conversation today yeah yeah i want people to (laughs) to have this conversation early on oh yeah because and i mean we'll get into it soon but you know by large i mean and a lot of us sometimes wait and do not plan because they just don't want to think about this and it's like you have to it's going Mm -hmm. to happen So Mm -hmm. with you not thinking about it and with you not planning does not better prepare you (laughs) for when that time actually comes because you were just trying to, you know, eyes closed, yada, yada, yada. And then now what, you know, eight siblings are fighting over a property or what have you, or like I've heard stories and I'll probably share some of them later, but (laughs) I mean, we're all on the same page. So before we dive into these questions, though, we are going to play a quick game of this or that. (laughs) Basically, every week we play this game and you pick between one option or the other and explain why. And so because you are our guest, Veronica, you'll start. But the first round, and this shouldn't be like, don't try to think too hard on any of this. It's it's not that hard, I don't think. We'll see. Um, <laughs> but would you prefer to pay for your child's college or would you prefer to pay for your child's wedding? I feel like I know the answer, but you never know. Wow. Um, <laughs> I think I pay for college. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Why? You know, that's a really good question. <laughs> and it's like it just brings up a whole lot of thoughts for me. Mm-hmm. Um, college is kind of like, I think, a continuation of what we've been doing all this time. So it's like I've been raising you, grooming you, putting you through school, whether it's public school or private school. Mm-hmm. So college is kind of like that next step. Like, OK, got you in college. After that, you just kind of go on your own. <laughs> That's a good point. OK, Tania. This is hard only because you want to support like both college and also the wedding. Um, but Ashley, you wouldn't be you if if this was an easy question. So 
Um, I mean, of course, I'm going to say college because that's like the obvious choice. But <laughs> in reality, I want to help with both. But for the purpose of this question, college. Okay, good answer. I would agree with both of you for basically the same reasons that you have stated. I think when it comes to college is you still don't know a lot. You still don't have a lot. <laughs> but by the time you get married, you might have something. You know, you may be able to kind of do some stuff. And yeah, I feel both of you, I will want to help my child out with their wedding. Um, but at the same time, what is the more valuable thing? You know, like, what are you going to take and use to make money and to be able to set yourself up for the rest of your life? Is not the wedding. <laughs> like, the wedding is nice, but it's, you got to go to college first. Most True. people aren't getting married and then going to college, you know, like that's, that's the first big girl or big boy thing they do. True. So. But there's a lot of people that's not doing anything with their degree. So it's kind of like eh, the money's lost, but we won't get into that. True. <laughs> yeah, maybe True. if I'm making that investment, it's like, all right, we're going to, I mean, I'm not going to tell you what you're going to do, but we're not going to just do something just because it looks fun. Like exactly. <laughs> we're going to have some guidance about how we mm-hmm. do this. Exactly. You need to have a plan in place. For the and future. it doesn't have to be like a, it could be a technical college or it could be, mm-hmm. you know, like start out at a community college transfer. Like there are so many college doesn't have to be big private school amount, you know. It doesn't have to be Mercer. Yeah, I was gonna say like we did. It doesn't have to be Mercer. <laughs> but it could be, I mean, it could be a variety of things. And I know the same with weddings. That's why I selected this because I feel like price-wise, they could be almost on the same playing field. Ooh, but yeah. it's just You're the right. value <laughs> when you think about it, right? Yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah, you actually were right. <laughs> so I guess it depends. I'm like, if y'all gonna have that kind of wedding, then um I'm not paying for that for sure. <laughs> like I'll do your college for, for that degree. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay. All right. So next round. Would you prefer to set up a trust fund for your children or would you prefer to set up a 529 for your children? Wow. (laughs) (laughs) You don't got into my area. So trust fund or 529. So I would say trust fund. And it's because I would think you have more flexibility with that to say how the money could be used. And, you know, I do trust. So Mm -hmm. you can you can put provisions in place to dictate how that money is utilized and what the requirements are. Whereas a 529, you might have some more restrictions as to how the money can be used. Mm. Good point. Because in my mind, I always thought 529 was just for school, whereas the trust fund is more of. It could be for anything. I mean, you usually have certain like, oh, wait until this or go to college and then this or you hit this age and then, you know, you get access. Am I right? Am I wrong? Yeah, I mean, I, I actually don't know as much about 529s as I probably should. So that's going to be on my to do list to to look into. But um, I, I think that that's right, that 529s would be more <laughs> for school 
And if there are exceptions, they will probably be very limited. But yeah, a okay. trust, you can it can be for whatever purpose. Now, the thing is going to be how you're going to invest that money that's in the trust to make sure that it grows because you don't mm. want it just sitting in there and not collecting, not collecting anything. anything. Yeah. But, you know, and this is I'm getting into too much lawyer stuff, but um, you really have to weigh it out because you want to see what's going to be the best investment for your money. I think for me right now, it'd be a trust, but I have to, I, you know, you might ask me in five years, it might be a different answer. That's fine. That's <laughs> fine. <laughs> All right, Tania, what are you thinking? So I'm also going to say a trust. Granted, you know, I don't know too, too much about it, but I know that you do have a little bit more flexibility. And basically, I can make the rules basically on that. But then the 529, of course, what if my child doesn't want to go to college? You know, and like, what if they are entrepreneur and, you know, they started at a very young age and like the business is doing well, then guess what? That money, I mean, granted, I don't know too much about it, but I'm guessing that money can only go to a college fund. So then I'm losing, I mean, I'm pretty sure you can get it back. I don't know. I don't know the, you know, I'm like, I don't know the rules and regulations behind that, but definitely a trust. Okay. I agree. Mm -hmm. I agree. Same reason if they want it because they could take the trust fund money to go to college, you know, or start the business or a gap year or two or, you know, a variety of things. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So we're all on the same page. Okay. Would you prefer to make your spouse your power of attorney or make your best friend your power of attorney? Definitely for me, it'd be my spouse. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, because I'm grateful that I can trust my husband with everything. And in fact, Mm -hmm. I trust him with the money more than I trust myself. So (laughs) (laughs) I I would definitely say him. But everybody may not have that same situation. So that's true. Okay. Tania, I know your answer, but say it anyway. I mean, friends come and go. Well, spouses do too. But I will say (laughs) my spouse, um, because he is really good with money. And I do believe that he would do the right thing with the money. So, but yeah, my friends, I mean, they may low key hate me. (laughs) Oh my gosh. What is going on? I'm just playing. No, but seriously, like you never know, like which friend, you know, may, you know, have some animosity towards you. And if they have, you know, power over your money, then. Oh, God. Anyways. The power of attorney does more than just. I mean, I know that. I mean, I understand that, but that's basically what they would be thinking of. Okay. You know, like, yeah. That's true. My, I, my house, my cars, you know, just everything. <laughs> Anyways, go ahead. Oh my gosh. I would say the same, um, especially if we could get to years from now where we're old and, you know, been married over 50 something years. And that's, you know, and around the time that we need to start really thinking about these things or having to make those type of decisions. Um, not to say that, you know, Tania, I'm not doing you like how you look. <laughs> 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 
But yes, I agree. I agree. They're your spouse for a reason. So hopefully everyone feels that same level of trust. If not, that's a different conversation that we're not having tonight. All right. Can I do a little lawyer thing? Sure. So I, I do think um, that Tania to get some new friends. Um, <laughs> and I say that I'm, I'm joking when I say that, but um, I actually had a client who her husband passed away and him, he passed away some years ago and we were working through her plan and we're having a hard time finding powers of attorney to serve um, like a, a primary person, a backup person, because she just hadn't thought about someone else other than her husband that she would trust with her finances like that. And so mm. that really has me thinking, you know, who can I like really, you know, make sure I'm building that good, solid relationship with now so that in the future <laughs> I'll have somebody I can trust because we, we're really having a hard time finding someone that she really trusts mm. to do this. So I just wanted to add that little lawyer point. That's a good point. I didn't yeah, think about is. it. Like, what do you do if the spouse is gone? Yeah. Well, thankfully, I do have some really, really good like rider guys, you know, but, you know, but I was just, you know, of course, like speaking just in general, <laughs> but, but I mean, but thankfully I got at least one or two that I can, you know, put on the list, but yeah, you're right. Like, mm-hmm. how about like her siblings or, or like she may be the only child. So or ah. maybe doesn't have a relationship like that with her siblings. That's true. That's true. Ooh, we can go. That's yeah. deep. Yeah, but I think that's what it was. That she has some people, but perhaps their that trust hasn't been developed over time. Mm-hmm. So yeah. and you don't want the wrong person being over mm-hmm. all that. Mm-hmm. Ooh. All right final round would you prefer to wait until you have a child before you create a will or wait until you buy your first house to create a will you really want to ask the attorney first yeah (laughs) set the tone so we could change our answers (laughs) first child or first house whichever one comes first let's get it done now so for me having children definitely put a little fire under my tail because i thought i don't want you know, if something happened to me and my spouse, who's going to get the kids? That was like the biggest thing for me. But, you know, you don't want your spouse and your family fighting over your house. Or if, you know, if you're not married yet, mm-hmm. you don't want your brothers and sisters or your, your mom and your dad fighting over your house. So I just think that's one of those things that you just get done as soon as it's on your radar, mm-hmm. which is now. Good point. Good point. That's the lawyer <laughs> response, but <laughs> not as fun. <laughs> it's a good response, though. It's good. What do you think, Tania? I honestly don't know. Like when you asked it, I was like, "Dang!" Like, I mean, maybe my child. I mean, that's what I initially thought. Well, the first thing that came to mind, you know, like when you asked that. So I'll just say my child. Then I'll go ahead and create the will. But yeah, I'll just say that. Yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Um, I don't know why, but I'll just leave it at that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that. No. I mean, I feel like we need to go ahead and do this now because we have a house. We don't have kids. But 
I want to have it sooner than later. So it's just something I have to update when the life changes occur. Like I remember talking about this with um, someone I used to work with who hadn't updated their will since their, I think, child was born. And that was like 14, 13, whatever. So years ago and other family member relationships had changed like siblings had gotten divorced so the whole like it would go to you know if something happened to us then my son would go to you know say sister and brother-in-law well brother-in-law doesn't exist anymore I mean he does but you know not in her world but the document (laughs) would say otherwise so and the type of person that person was based on how she described it, he'd probably fight for this child that he has no claim to, no real relationship with, um, just to be petty. So I don't want to wait until a kid is in the picture because we have a house. But if we didn't have a house, I probably would just wait until the child. If I had to just solely pick these two options based off the two options. Can I add another little little yes. point? I know I'm like this. Oh no, all this we love it. Stuff. Oh no, yeah, 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 definitely. Give yeah, us the gems. Yes. <laughs> so you can set your deed up for your property. Like if you have a house, if this was not done when you actually bought the house, you can have it retitled so that upon your death, it goes to who you want it to go to. So mm. you can put that in the deed if. Maybe you're not ready to do a will yet or you want to make sure like I don't, you know, Veronica, quite frankly, I don't want to see you every time my life changes. You know, it might be that kind of situation where instead of getting your will done, you just start with getting your deed set up so that if you wanted to go to your spouse, like you and your spouse bought the house together, you wanted to go to the survivor of the other um, of the two of you, then you can set it up as a joint tenancy with rights of survivorship to automatically have the house go from the two of you to the one who survives. Mm. So that's one way you can deal with the house so that it's not really a, as much of an issue of whether I need to go ahead and get a will. Mm-hmm. Now, I do think it's good to have a will either way, but if somebody's like, I'm not quite ready to make that full investment now, then they might just start with making sure that their assets are titled in a way that it's going to go to the person they want it to go to. And then once they kind of get further along in life, they add some children to the mix, then they might go ahead and do an actual will. Gotcha. That's a good point. That's good advice right there. Mm -hmm. Well, (laughs) we are now going to dive into the world of estate planning and future planning. And I know we're not going to be able to cover every single thing. Trust me. I wanted to probably double the amount of questions that (laughs) we're going to ask, but I think this will be a good enough starting point for us to just consider or talk about. And I know, I feel like these are the type of episodes where, especially if you're like engage, or if you're newlywed, it's like, you're telling your spouse, Hey, pull this episode up and listen to it. So we could talk about it later. I feel like this is going to be one of those episodes. Um, but at least start having those thoughts and those conversations now, 
um, because you never know. So I'm glad we're having this conversation now so that people can even, even if they don't necessarily act on it immediately, they start thinking about this and start moving towards putting something together so that they're prepared. Um, but Tania, I'll let you kick it off. All right. So, oh, this is like a loaded question, but why don't Black people plan for the future? Black people don't always plan for the future, especially when it comes to estate planning, because they don't want to think about death. And there is, I think, a belief, even though it sounds absurd, and even though nobody would want to say it, but they think if they create a will, then they're going to die. And that's true. But I think that people think if I think about death, it'll come quicker. And so maybe if I don't think about it, I can avoid it. And so I think that's a big part of it. I think another part is that perhaps the they don't want to invest the money. They think that's just not something that I want to spend my money on right now. I got other things that are more important that I don't want to make that investment. And I definitely get that. But at the same time, it's one of those things like you don't do that about health insurance. You don't do that about homeowners insurance. You just pay that money and do it because, you know, it's something that needs to be done. And so I think um, it's important that people look at estate planning that way. Um, So I think it's I think it's that fear that you might call death upon you sooner. I think it's the financial investment. And then it's also just, you know, it's just not high on the priority list. Um, I think that's something else. And then also not wanting to think about what happens when I'm not here. And I I get that. Like for me, I had this dark secret for a long time when I was telling everybody else to do wills. I didn't have my own will. And the reason why I kept putting it off was because I didn't want to really make a decision about who would raise my kids if I wasn't there to raise them. I didn't want to make that decision for a lot of personal reasons, but then even Mm -hmm. just the thought of somebody else raising my kids was just too much. (laughs) So I just couldn't put my mind around it. But one day I just thought, okay, you don't want to think about somebody else raising your kids. But the worst thing is what about somebody you surely don't want raising your kids? It's the one who gets them. So let me go ahead and put something in place so that at least I know that they will go to who I would want them to go to. Good point. You hit the nail on the head. (laughs) All right. So what all does estate planning consist of now? Like we have like a lot of popular terms, but I'm pretty sure that you're going to, you know, of course, like you're going to mention all these, like a deed, will, a probate, power of attorney, executive of the estate. I'm pretty sure you're going to mention that in your answer. So can you explain what estate planning consists of? I like to describe estate planning as putting a plan in place for what happens to the things that you own, the people that are in your care after you pass away, But it also involves what happens if you're still living, but you're not able to handle your money or you're not able to make medical decisions for yourself. So um, that's generally speaking what estate planning involves. And and it's going to depend on your personal circumstances, depends on who you are and what's going on in your life, what aspects of estate planning you need to take on at any point in time. We kind of touched on it at some points when we were talking earlier about how Estate planning is going to be different when you are single and no kids than when you get married with no kids. And then if you buy a house, you have kids, 
um, an illness comes into play, that's going that's going to change what your estate plan is going to look like. But really, it's just a process of knowing what you own, who you would want it to go to, who you would want to be in control of everything taking place. Um, if you were either ill or incapacitated or after you pass away. And so most estate plans are going to include a will. Um, I always recommend that it includes an advanced directive for healthcare, which is the document that says who can make medical decisions for you if you're not able to, and what medical decisions would you want made under certain circumstances. Um, most estate plans are also going to include a financial power of attorney, which is going to say who makes financial decisions for you when you're not able to, who can sign on your behalf, who can make legal decisions on your behalf. Um, you might, depending on what level of estate planning you're doing and what your specific needs are, you might have a trust. And a trust could do, the, the main thing that a trust does is allow you to put your assets into the hands of someone else who ha then can manage those assets on your behalf. And in some cases, you might be that person, that trustee. You might be that person who you're basically taking it out of your personal name and putting it into the trust. And the trustee is the person that's managing the trust. So depending on what kind of trust it is, it might be you, it might be your spouse, or it might be somebody totally unrelated. It just really depends on what your goals are. But so that's what estate planning generally entails. It can be all of those things I mentioned, or it could be a smaller number of them, just, you know, depending on your needs, it might be one or two of them. But it's, it's being thoughtful and being strategic about putting your wishes on paper and also very importantly, making sure that that you do it in a way that's going to be recognized by the law. Because just because you write it on a piece of paper does not make it a legal document. There are certain requirements that have to be met in order for it to be a legal document. Thank you for that the explanation. So the money part that you mentioned. Does the amount of money <laughs> that you currently have influence if you need to create an estate plan? So the amount of money that you currently have will influence whether you need to create a, an estate plan only in the sense that it would dictate what you might want to include in your plan. Because I think everybody's going to need some level of estate planning. Even mm -hmm. if you don't own a lot and you don't have a lot of people that you're caring for, you're going to need a, a medical power of attorney, which is the, the advanced directive for healthcare, And you probably need a financial power of attorney because mm -hmm. you want somebody, especially with the medical, mm -hmm. if something happens, it could be something major like a car accident, or it could be um, that you have some kind of illness that comes up, or it could be something that's more temporary that you are getting your wisdom teeth removed and you're, you're, you're not able to communicate to the doctor and the doctor has a question. You don't want them to have to stop the procedure, wake you up, wait till you recover, ask you the question and then put you back to sleep <laughs> and start the <laughs> procedure over again. Right. So sometimes it, it just might be that making sure somebody can make medical decisions for you. If you're not able to making sure somebody can make financial decisions for you. But as your assets grow, as your life circumstances change, the level of estate planning that you do is going to change. Good point. I like that answer. So what's a common misconception people have when it comes to estate planning? Let's see. A common misconception 
that people have when it comes to estate planning. I think about just the, the idea that I don't need a will. Um, my family is going to be all on the same page and I know that they know what I want them to do. So I don't need a will because my family, they, I raised them right or um, I was raised in the same house as them. I know that they're going to do right. We, we, our mama taught us this and that. Um, that is a common misconception. I say for a few reasons. One is because it doesn't matter how loving and friendly your family is. A will is going to make that process easier for your family because just, just by virtue of the way that the law is set up, if you don't have a will, there are a lot more steps that you have to go through in order to say, who gets the authority to handle your affairs and how your property is going to be divided up. There are state laws that dictate how that's going to happen. So let's say that you have one house, but you have three children and a spouse and those three children are minors. If you don't have a will, then automatically your spouse and your three children are going to be entitled to this house. (laughs) And that is not, you know, who will want their spouse and their three minor children owning the house together? That's just not going to be a good idea because who is going to, you know, you got to have somebody with the proper legal authority to speak on behalf of those children. So it's just not a good setup. Um, So that kind of situation is one reason. And then again, if you don't have a will in that situation, you have to pay for a guardian ad litem to represent the interests of the children. And there are just a lot more hoops and hurdles that you have to go through Mm. if you don't have a will versus if you do have a will. So that's number one. It's just the the logistical hurdles that you have to go through if you don't have a will. Another thing is that people's families act differently after somebody has died. And that is plain and simple. Everybody done seen Tyler Perry. I don't (laughs) understand, you know, why we got to like go through this. So Medea is like, an example of what happens when people die, people go crazy. And it, it don't matter how loving everybody was at first, things happen. You know, it could be the, the pain of losing the loved one. It could be resentment that nobody even knew about that comes to play. Um, it could be a, a, a spouse, you know, a new spouse. It's like, you need to go in there and get what you can get. You know good and well that you never got what you were entitled to when your mama was living. So you mm-hmm. need to go in there. You know, it's just... You just never know what's going to happen. So having a will is not perfect. It's not foolproof, but it's going to cut out a whole lot of that mess. You are uh, right about that. Like no matter what, you should definitely, you know, go ahead and plan this out because you just never know. Mm -hmm. And these things, you know, like a wedding can, you know, break a family, but then also like this can also break a family as well. So. They always say weddings and funerals mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. are like the two yeah. things. And I mean, that's that's when everybody comes out. Mm-hmm. Everybody's coming out for the wedding. They're coming out for the funeral. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, all the undercover stuff comes out. All the stuff yeah. that you didn't even know you were processing mm-hmm. yeah. just comes out. And you got that on top of all the hurdles. Like I, I have a, a, a client who, you know, we're constantly having to file this and file that in court. It's constant things we're having to file in court just because of little weird things. But if, if they had, if the person who died had a will, it just would have made it so much more streamlined. And just to see my client go through 
the stress of having to go back to court, file this, pay this, find the money for that. When if that if their loved one had a will, it would have just made their life so much easier. So mm-hmm. um, I also tell people when it comes to whether or not you need a will, it's not for you. Like you're going to be gone. Yeah. It is for the people you're leaving behind. So even if you don't think you need one, do it for the people that you're leaving behind. If you care about them. And I tell people, look, I know you might not think that it will blow up, but I've been doing this long enough to know that mm-hmm. even the, the easiest seeming situations can blow up. And, and I see where if they had a properly drafted will, then it could have prevented a lot of the issues. Oh, Yeah. I remember last summer, um, because after my grandpa passed away, my grandma had her will updated and had conversations with my dad. So, you know, he was the executor. Everything was outlined. It was like the car went to my aunt. Everything else was basically split between my dad and my aunt, whatever they didn't want, you know. And I mean, we were all basically, we were able to take what we wanted but she had everything outlined and documented. But the person that went with her to the um, to update her will and whatnot, he he's just kind of like that person in the family, or not even in the family. He's like a family friend that would just handle or assist people with these matters. Um, and he said that he's like, you see how easy this was. You see how all of this was written out. The other family that I've been visiting this weekend, he was like, they, I think there was a will, but either it hadn't been updated in some time. And basically as they were all like, like not even the repast, but just like later in the day after the funeral, somebody pulled out a gun and was about to like, it were threatened to like basically start shooting some of the family members just because of some of the stuff that was coming out and the, you know, thinking, Oh, I thought I was going to get blah, blah, blah. But the will said this and they were trying to go by the will. So, you know, all of those things came into play and he was like, just be glad that your grand, you know, like she had everything in order because this is how it should be versus what I experienced over the last like few days or what have you. I was like, okay, you know, I just, Mm -hmm. I never thought about it from that instance, but yeah, people, people feel all the ways and the emotions are running high and it could just be a lot. So you brought up a point I hadn't really thought about much, but those wheels that did not get updated are the worst ones. Because usually, if a will needed to be updated, it's for some significant reason. Right. Somebody's passed away or somebody developed a drug addiction. Mm -hmm. Somebody is no longer responsible. Whatever it might be, there's usually something. Somebody was born. And and so if you don't update the will to reflect those current circumstances and you have this will that was you know, set in stone before the current circumstances arose, like it can be even worse than not having a will because you're like, this is what the will says. This is what they wanted. But 
you look at the will, you see it's, it's 20 years old. You know that, that they wouldn't have wanted it to be that way, but they just hadn't looked at it in 20 years. They didn't think about the fact that, like you mentioned before, mm-hmm. the, um, the in-law is no longer part of the family. Like, right. I, you know, the, it, you, just, you just never know what can happen and how it can impact the circumstances that are in place when you pass away. So I always tell people it's important to review your will on an annual basis, just to look at it, make sure, oh, yep, such a sister's still here. Things are still the same. And then, you know, it might be a good cause to update it every three years or so, depending on how your circumstances may have changed. Like if everything's really just the same after three years, you might not have to update. But I think a lot of people would be surprised what they would find if they review their will once a year. They might be like, oh, you know what? I didn't even think about the fact that I just bought another house. Like the house that was in, mm-hmm. you know, my little two bedroom house that was in Clayton County. Like I don't upgraded and moved to Alpharetta and I got this huge mansion. <laughs> you know, I didn't even think to right. update my will to reflect that. So people, you know, it's important to review it on a regular basis. Good, good point. Um, how have the emergence of crowdfund platforms like, like GoFundMe changed how we view estate planning? That is a very good question about how crowdfunding has impacted how we view estate planning. I would say at the least it's, it's become a good tagline. Like we can't rely on GoFundMe. Y'all better get these wheels. You know, it doesn't really come up much in the work that I do because usually when people are coming to me, they are, um, they kind of have a certain level of things in place that they are coming to me with. Well, thankfully, I haven't had the opportunity. I say thankfully, but I know it's going to happen. I haven't had the opportunity to um, administer the will of a client whose will I had already, who I I prepared. So I haven't seen that before and after um, with a specific client. But, um, you know, I, I don't, I really... That's a very interesting thing to think about. I just, I haven't really seen that impact the conversations that I have as much. Again, like I know people say, don't rely on GoFundMe. You need to get life insurance. (laughs) It's kind of a way to, I I would say if anything, it's kind of a a signpost for us. Like you, you don't really think about the expenses that go into paying for funeral expenses or caring for loved ones that may, that someone may have left behind. You don't think about it as much until you see those GoFundMe pages come up and you're like, wow, like, okay, so they, they needed a GoFundMe. They must not have had life insurance. They must not have had these things in place. So it kind of is a flat to say that something didn't go completely right, but that's a really interesting question. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this will go along with this, but I remember, I think this happened a couple of years ago, AJ Johnson. I think it was AJ Johnson. Um, the guy that was in Friday, like, I don't know, like if he had things in place or, or if he didn't have life insurance and his wife had to create a GoFundMe account and people were like, he didn't have this set up. He didn't have this. Oh, what? Yeah. He was an actor. Paul Black. That wasn't that long ago either. Yeah. I, feel like I think it was 2020. 
Yeah, that's what I was thinking. COVID. I think okay, he might yeah. have died from COVID. Yeah. Mm, yeah. So, you know, they were like, you know, like a lot of people had a lot to say about that situation because they were like, you know, well, where is um, Ice Cube and where is, you know, so-and-so? Where like, you at? Like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he got to go fund me. If you so concerned about other people paying money, put some money mm-hmm. in to go fund me and leave exactly. Ice Cube alone. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. Like, why is that his responsibility? Mm-hmm. But I mean, but you look at, you know, people that are, are in the limelight. Granted, I don't know if he if he has done a lot of movies after Friday, because, you know, I just don't follow actors, I would say like that. But but yeah, but even in that situation, you know, he should have had things in place. But as you can see, granted, I don't know the details of that, but I just remember that was like a huge like a huge ordeal. Yeah. I, and again, mm. I think that those are flat post for us to say, okay, I'm I'm mad at this guy for not having his life insurance. I'm mad at Chadwick Bozeman for not having a will. I'm mad at Prince for not having a will and Aretha Franklin and all the folks that we upset about for not having wills and they got all this stuff. They should have a will. Well, you got what you got. And so, you know, we have to look at ourselves and say, before I start criticizing them, do I have my stuff in place? Who's going to pay my funeral expenses if something happened to me? Are people going to have to do a GoFundMe? So I think it's a good way for us to to say, to like kind of, it's a good way to wait, to raise awareness. And it also kind of brings me back to what I said early on about how estate planning is a way for couples to focus their their attention, to come up with a vision for their lives and to see, okay, you know, we working every day, but what about if something happened and we didn't have things in place? Like in terms of, you know, you might be working and saving, but what about if your savings is not enough at any given point in time? Do we have a backup plan? Mm-hmm. What What is our vision? Like, do we want to build up certain buckets of money to make sure that we have security in place? Like, I think estate planning can really set you up on the right foot if you think about it early on in a relationship, uh, well, in a marriage, you know, not, it's not the, the first date conversation, but <laughs> it should be <laughs> one of those conversations that, that, that you have with someone that you want to build a life with, because, you know, this is part of life. Life is, is, um, in sickness and health until death do you part. So, you know, do you have that part covered? Definitely. So when is it too late to plan? Well, you know, the obvious answer to that is when (laughs) someone dies, you know, it's too late then, it's over. Or if a a major medical issue comes up, you know, it's it's really something that is really never too early to plan. So you kind of, it's like with anything in life where you're kind of taking a gamble and you just have to decide how risk averse are you? I see that a lot in the, in the medical field, where, where in the just in terms of determining your health care. Your doctor will tell you, oh, you know, I see this issue. You better do something about it. And a lot of times people will go ahead and do something about it because they don't want to mess with their health. But sometimes people say, you know, I'm willing to assume that risk and know that if I don't take this treatment or if I don't uh, have this surgery, then I do risk some future medical issue. Some people willing to do that, some people not. And I think the same thing with the state planning, you know, 
you know, with me being an estate planning lawyer, sometimes it could be a little bit too much of a preoccupation because I remember every time I stepped out the door, I was like, oh, Lord, I hope I don't die today because if I do, I ain't got a will. (laughs) (laughs) I know, like, people like, Lord, have mercy. Is that what you think? I literally would be like, oh, my gosh, like, I'm going on a trip. And texting people like, I know this won't hold up in court, but please, can you like, you know, (laughs) 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 if y'all got, if y'all got to cut that because this is too morbid, but that's how it was for me for a long time. But, you know, I hope that most people don't think like that on a day to day basis. So I think as far as when is it too late, it's really a personal choice about how risk averse you are. But it's something that we shouldn't wait. We shouldn't put it off, you know. Because the, the, the more your asset profile grows, the more your family dynamics change, that's when that risk kind of, you know, it's like you're always kind of weighing the risks. And the, the level of risk that you're taking as a young person just starting out is different than when you have a family and you have assets and you have other things going on in life. Very true. Very true. Okay, so well then, what can we start doing now to prepare ourselves for the future? I think, you know, what what you can do now is really start having those conversations. Since this is a marriage podcast, uh, again, just go back to, you know, talking with your spouse or your spouse-to-be and have these conversations. Are we on the same page? I, I found it interesting that I had a lot of clients who were married but their spouse was not interested in doing estate planning. So they're coming to me and saying, I want to have a will put in place, but I'm married, but my husband doesn't want to do it. I think that's one of those things that it's important to have that conversation. Like this might be one of those, it could be one of those deal breaker things. If you're in a relationship with someone and they are not interested in getting a will, then it kind of says that they're not, Perhaps they're not as interested in making sure that you're taking care of if something were to happen to them. And and I know that like we don't really want to think about that, but it can be that serious. I actually had a situation where a woman was well her 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 spouse was um he seemed financially well off and he was able to afford her and her children a very good and comfortable lifestyle while he was living. But when he passed away, the the bottom of the floor just fell out. Mm. It's like everything just was gone because he had built his life in a certain way that he was able to leverage stuff and make it look like he had money and buy things, you know, Mm -hmm. however he did it. But when he was gone, that was all on them, on the, on the wife and on the children. And so that kind of situation, I just think it's so unfair, you know, like it, maybe if they had that conversation early on, like, I love the life you, you, you're able to afford us. Um, if something happened to you, is this still going to be there? Do you have things in place where um, it's going to still be here for us? And in this, this situation, actually, when I think about it, the couple was not married, which is a whole other situation. So they didn't even have the legal defaults to rely on. It was just, well, who are you to him? You, y'all just together. Y'all not even married. So right. um, you don't have legal rights. So those conversations are important. Like if we're going to, if I'm going to go in this with you, you got my back legally to make sure that I'm taken care of if something happens to you. 
That's such a good point. I remember um, someone I went to church with oof, over a decade ago, it feels. Um, but he, I think, was technically separated from his wife. I don't think they had ever formally gotten a divorce, if I'm remembering correctly. But like he, they hadn't been together in years, like probably let's just say a decade or so he had somebody else he was dating and living with and he kept calling her his wife she would call him husband you know everyone knew these two were always together well then he got really really sick and then passed away i want to say it was like say pneumonia or something nothing she got nothing and it's like this is someone for years that you all would always see together. They lived together. They had a house together. Nothing. Just because legally they were not together. And I don't think he had updated any documentation either to include her on it. So it was just, you know. And we hear those stories like all the time. I feel like that's one of those kind of when it comes to like these type of conversations or if we see it depicted like on TV, mostly like in black movies and stuff like that. <laughs> I mean, I feel like we just saw it between um, I'm like DMX and his fiance. Yeah. I did um, just hear about that. Where you she... know, his fiance didn't get anything and the yeah. wife, well, the ex-wife I'm guessing, I don't know if they, well, like they had to be divorced if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken, but basically she got everything and the fiance got nothing but she had a son but i think he got really sick um but yeah dmx's son mm -hmm. he was dmx's son yeah yeah but they got nothing yeah yeah so that's something that you know everybody has to make their own decision if marriage is the way that they want to unite their relationship but legally and i talked to a friend about this one time i was like legally if anything happens, you're not entitled to anything. And so if you are going to go into this, you need to be wise about it and actually have legal documentation in place to say, look, I mean, we might not be married, but if something happened to you, then I'm going to get some of it because a lot of times assets are tied together. Um, You're raising children together. You have, you know, you might not even have your name on the property, but you're living there. So making sure that everybody's on the same page, you know, it's, 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 so, you know, again, this is not the fun part of the conversation, but it's essential. And it, and it brings up so many things. Like if you are going into a relationship with someone or you're in a relationship with someone and y'all thinking about marriage and they don't want to talk about estate planning and what's going to happen if something happens to them, like, I know it might feel like they might think, well, you know, I just don't want to have this conversation, but it can really speak to how they feel about you because that is, that's important. That is very true. So how much is it to handle all of these affairs? Because I would imagine it's not free. It's not free to take care of this stuff. Um, And unfortunately I'm not able to say a specific amount because the range varies so much. There are DIY approaches. And so sometimes people will go that route. 
you know, I, I'm not one who's going to necessarily say don't go that route. I strongly encourage you to consider working with an attorney on it. But some people, you know, they say, I don't have a lot. I just need to get something in place. And so DIY might be the, the next best alternative. And so that's going to be a lot less expensive than hiring an attorney. And then even with hiring an attorney, there are levels. Uh, one is locality. So people in a city, they're usually going to charge more than people in a less urban area is going to charge um, just because of the the competition. And, and then sometimes it could even be the reverse. Like if you're the only person in town doing it, then maybe you might have a more premium rate because you're in higher demand in your community. Um, and it also is going to vary a, um, with regard to if someone focuses very specifically on estate planning versus being more of a generalist where estate planning is just one of many services that they offer. So if there's someone who specializes in estate planning, usually they're going to attract clients who care about it a little more, for whom they might want some more specialized provisions put in place and, and they want to be more comprehensive in their planning approach. So they might charge more. So I will say, you know, just from, <laughs> and I'll tell you that the prices range like hugely, like the DIY might be $99, but then going to someone in a metro area who specializes in estate planning, it could be a few thousand dollars. So, you know, it really, the, the range can vary. Um, it also depends on your needs. If you are just starting out in life, and you don't own a house, you don't own much, that price is going to be much different from someone who has multiple houses and they got a plan for their business. They got a plan for a child with special needs. That's going to, to be a little more comprehensive. So it's going to be more expensive. So unfortunately, I can't give like specific numbers because it just ranges so much. But mm -hmm. I will say don't allow the price alone. Like sometimes people call like, I just want to know how much it costs. And those are people who usually are not my clients because they're looking for a certain price. Yeah. And, and the value that they're getting from me may not matter to them if they're just looking for a certain price. And mm -hmm. I will tell you from my perspective, because I am an estate planning attorney, this is a large part of my practice. I'm going to do some things that someone who does criminal and family law primarily, but wills on the side, I'm going to do. I'm going to do a whole lot more that they're not going to do. So it just depends on, again, how risk averse you are. Some people are not going to be willing to take on the risk of going with someone who does wheels on the side. Some people, you know, making sure that their future is secure is more important to them. So um, they would be willing to invest more. Makes sense. Um, what conversation should we have with our parents and our siblings about their affairs? That is a really good question. Um, and it's a tough question, too, because it's one thing to talk about it with your spouse. <laughs> it's another thing to talk about it with your parents and your siblings. But it is important for, you know, if it, just in terms of awareness, it might just be a conversation to say, hey, you know, had you thought about this? I just want to make sure that if anything happened to you, my nieces and nephews are taken care of now. You know, it could be something like that. You know, just a quick 
hey, I listened to this podcast and just listen to it and just make sure you got your stuff in order. Okay. You know, it could be that kind of conversation or with your parents, it might be, hey, mom and dad, like y'all got a will, you know, and just just having that conversation with them because it's going to impact you. One thing I, I, I started telling people is when you're having that conversation, you may not be ready to say, okay, you got a will. What's going to happen when you die? What you going to give me? You know, you might not be ready to have a conversation on that level, but it might just be, Hey mom, dad, had y'all ever thought about what you would want to happen to this house a hundred years from now? Like a hundred years from now, do you, Who's going to have this house? You know, and and that kind of puts it far enough in the future to where they don't think about me being dead, but they think about, oh, okay, so like my grandkids, like, do I want my grandkids to have this house? You know, it's like it kind of puts it a little further out into the future to where like nobody's expecting to really be here in 100 years. You know, I'm thinking that I'll be kind of like on my way out 100 years from now. Um, but, you know, it's like you don't think that you're gonna be like paying mortgage and and really like cutting the grass and stuff in a hundred years. But um, so it's it's it is a tough conversation, and that's something that actually kind of makes me think too because I do talk with my parents about it, but it's still it's still not the level, you know. It, it still kind of makes me like eh. like <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah. I think just normalizing the conversation is important. Yeah, I joke around with my dad all the time. And I'm like, yeah, whenever you're officially not here, <laughs> uh, I want this and I want that. And of course, you can give my brother this. And he always laughs and he's like, oh, are you trying to get rid of me? I'm like, no, 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 not at all. But when that time comes, <laughs> I'm going to get this. And he's always laughing about that. You know, of course, we made a joke out of it. But, you know, but in actuality, like we're literally, you know, low key. We're like saying, OK, well, you're going to get this. And, you know, of course, your brother is going to get that. You know, um, we just haven't gone to a, a lawyer yet. But but definitely, I think I think I've mentioned this probably twice, you know, um, one time around COVID, but, but I think, I think this is a conversation that we need to have again, you know, as, as we all get older, it's definitely a hard conversation to have, especially with your parents, but, you know, it's definitely a conversation that needs to be had, especially if you have siblings and if you have other family members that are really, really close to your family. I've had this conversation a few times with my mom. Um, I think we need to update it based on some like work changes that have occurred with her, but um, that's the perk of being an only child. Don't have to really <laughs> <laughs> deal. Well, to an extent, I mean, yeah, but, yeah. Not <laughs> but it's all right. Anywho, let's wrap. So final question, because we really could talk about this all night long, but we do want to be considerate. <laughs> What advice would you give to a couple that's whether they just got engaged or maybe they just got married, but basically they're just starting their lives together. Um, what advice would you give them so that they can, you know, start having something to kind of chew on or marinate on as they build their future together? When my husband and I first got married, we sat down with a couple that, um, 
they're farther along. They were farther along than us in marriage. They probably were, they're like a little younger than our parents' age, but they were friends. Like they were people that we hung out with as friends, but they still kind of sometimes take that kind of mentor, almost parental role in our lives. Yeah. Um, so we, we sat down and talked with them and we weren't even expecting this, but they were like, so what's, what's the vision for your family? And we are like, um, <laughs> a vision for our family? Like, we, what? <laughs> like we just hadn't thought about that. Mm-hmm. And so I would say in terms of advice to a young couple starting out to like associate with an older couple who, you know, can kind of talk with you about that, have those conversations to ask you questions that you might not ask yourselves, things that might be a little tough, but they, they've seen it. So they can ask you things that, you know, based on what they experienced. Um, so I think having someone else to kind of help facilitate certain conversations could help. Like, hey, just, you know, have if you have a, a, a couple who has been married longer than you, who you trust and you respect, sit down with them and just have a conversation and just say, hey, like, we really want to we want to think about stuff like estate planning and we want to think about our futures, but you know, it, it, we thought it might be helpful to have somebody else to, to guide us through this conversation. So that's what I would recommend. And, and my husband and I, we, we now we, we're um, this, we just celebrated 11 years. And so we are at a place now where we have younger couples coming to us and they're like, Hey, like, can you talk to us? We're like, Lord have mercy. Yes, like we're like advising people and all of that. So, you know, we're paying it forward. But I think having mm-hmm. that really helped us to think about things that we might not have been inclined to think about. And so we try to do the same thing for younger couples to ask them things that they might not really want to talk about. But we're like, no, we got to talk about it. <laughs> I feel like we all need that couple that's been, you know, married kind of in the game a little bit longer, not quite on our parent stage or like a sibling, but like a someone we're like, okay, we know that everything you're saying is like, it came from a place. It came from a, a place of love, you know, because I think we is, all need that. We all need that. Marriage is a new territory. Yeah. It's yeah. Not, it's not like anything <laughs> we have done before. <laughs> yes and it just continues being new it's like i thought we already figured this out why are we still having these things pop up mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like on sunday um my husband and i we went over to his parents house and of course like we were eating dinner and they were like so it's been it's been about a month and some change how are things how's married life how would you sum it up and I'm like, yo, this is like a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> and basically we were like, hmm, you know, we haven't really thought about, okay, so like how will we answer that? So, I mean, that's also new trying to describe, you know, how we are right now. And like, all I could say was right now I'm in the stage of learning, you know, or like we're learning each other's nuances basically. And he's like, I agree. <laughs> because that's basically, we, you know, that's basically where we are right now. So, you know, I mean, like there are things that we haven't talked about. And so this is going to be one of them. There's so many things that it's like you could date someone for such an amount of time mm-hmm. and then you get married to them 
And then you learn something that's like, how did I not know that? Mm -hmm. (laughs) We've been together. How long? How has this never come up or whatever? Mm -hmm. Like, I think Mm -hmm. I mentioned to you, Tania, how it was after we had gotten married that I realized that he was like part Bahamian. I'm Mm -hmm. like, (laughs) now that's that's funny. (laughs) But like his dad's adopted. And so like I always knew that, but I never knew like, oh, the biological side of the family actually, you know, and it makes sense. South Florida, of course, pretty much everybody is from somewhere, right? Yeah. But I'm like, we're married. <laughs> do, I, do I know you anymore? <laughs> Uh, it was a fun time yeah nuances that's a great way of describing it yeah because yeah yeah (laughs) that's all i'll say (laughs) you don't have to say anything trust me i know (laughs) we love each other but you know there's just some things you have to get used to oh yeah 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 Yeah. (laughs) and then the, the thing is um you know, as you get, as you're married longer, you realize that people do change and it's not necessarily a bad thing, but you cannot expect them to be the same person that you married. Like when mm-hmm. you first got married, they're going to change mm-hmm. and it's hopefully for the better, but sometimes it may not be stuff you like because yeah. their maturity may cause them to respond to things in ways that you would have prefer they not do it but it's it's a level of maturity that they've reached and you were relying on their immaturity so things change as well you learn new stuff but then you also realize that i knew that i know i knew that and now it's different <laughs> oh that's a word right there <laughs> that is a whole word that's so true. that is a real word oh vendors <laughs> All right. So Veronica, we're going to move into the wedding vendor love. And this is where we shout out people that we love. um, And, you know, hopefully um, our listeners out there can go support. So who would you like to shout out this week? I am going to shout out Dara McClendon. Yes, we do have the same last name. She is my sister-in-law, but she is also amazingly organized person. And she likes to help other people to be amazingly organized or at least functionally organized. Um, She is the owner of Simply Ordered Solutions. And she just does a lot of stuff that involves being organized and doing things in an orderly way. I know she recently did something for teachers to help them organize their classrooms and develop systems so that they're ready for the classroom. But she actually, um, she planned our wedding. I know that's not what she's doing anymore, but she more, she likes to work with people more so in terms of their mindset and their approach to how they're doing things to make sure that they're approaching things in an organized way. Um, She's also currently managing my social media. So she's just excellent there. She does a lot. So I'm going to shout her out. She's just like the type of person and the services that she offers. If you look at her website, you can see where she she just helps you in those areas where you're stuck and helps you to kind of keep get things moving forward. So it's not directly wedding related, but I know that she has helped a lot of brides who are like me, where Mm -hmm. I was overwhelmed with the process and she was able to help me to put things into a system that we were able to get things done and, and, and accomplish our goal. 
Very nice. I completely forgot that y'all married twins, right? <laughs> yep, yep. I was, yeah. I was I didn't know if you knew um our husbands or either of them or both of them. But yeah, mm-hmm. and they went to Mercy too. <laughs> I remember that. And I had a class one or two. I think I had a few classes with her. So I I'm like, yep. And I've I've I think I follow her page on Facebook. <laughs> So okay. everything you're saying, I'm like, yeah, that's all right. That's all right. Familiar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ashley, who would you like to shout out? This week, I am going to shout out one of my favorite vendors on TikTok. He is actually a, a vendor in real life, but I discovered him on TikTok. If you are in need of a wedding planner wedding coordinator, a virtual planner, because maybe you have a lot of this done on your own and maybe you just need some like, you know, some stuff kind of buttoned up at the end. Please see my good friend, Sean Gray at Sean Gray events. Sean is a Houston based wedding planner with a lot of experience. I'm not going to say how many, if you follow him on TikTok, you right now, but he is just absolutely great. Even if you don't need a planner, you're just navigating this process some form or fashion, you want some insights, head to his Instagram or head to his TikTok. He is providing so much advice, inspiration, wisdom all the time. So if you are here for someone that's not going to belittle you, not going to act like they know more than you and, you know, like, you know how some vendors do. Let's be honest. Some vendors love to put down their clientele or their prospective clientele. Sean is not that. So if you are looking for a planner, whether you're in the Houston area or you are far away, look up Sean Gray events. Um, he is on Instagram at Sean Gray events, also on TikTok at Sean Gray events. Um, Sean with a U. So S H A U N gray with a A events. You should know how to spell events, but if not, you know, we're going to definitely tag him on Tuesday. <laughs> so who are you shouting yes, out? This yes, week yes. So this week I had the pleasure of shouting out the Newell house, a wedding venue based in Pleasant Garden, North Carolina. If you follow Marcia Robinson on Instagram, you'll know that her and her husband, Michael, are renovating Michael's childhood home. If you have an upcoming wedding, an upcoming baby shower, a birthday party, any kind of party that you need a venue for, please look them up. Again, if you are in the North Carolina area, this is a place to go to. It is so beautiful, and I feel like we have watched them renovate that house room by room, and um, just today, they were putting up the chandelier, and it's just absolutely beautiful. And so if you are in need of a venue, please look them up. Please support. It's a Black-owned business, and you know it's kind of hard to find venues that are Black-owned. And so when you find one, definitely support. Yeah, so it's a newer house. It's the N-E-W-E-L-L-H-O-U-S-E. And again, if you don't follow Marche Robinson on Instagram, go ahead and follow her. That's M-A-R-C-H-E-R-O-B-I-N-S-O-N. All right, that's who I have this week. Awesome. Well, where can people find you if they want to learn more, if they want to retain your services, possibly, you know? 
all of the things. Yeah, so I have a website. It's McClendonLawOffice.com, and McClendon is spelled with two C's, um, M-C-C-L-E-N-D-O-N, McClendonLawOffice.com. And then we are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the handle is at McClendonLawGA. So you can follow us. We've been talking a whole lot about farmers and serving farmers and helping them with their um, heirs property, which deals with the ownership of their farms and helping them with farm succession plans. So a lot of our social media has covered that recently, but we do also still do wills, trusts, all the estate planning stuff. We do the probate stuff, but yeah, that's where you can find us. Awesome. If we wanted to use your services, like do we have to be in the state of Georgia or like, could they be in a different state? Yeah. So if someone wanted to use my services, they need to be a resident of Georgia. I have referrals that I can make for people outside the state that um, like if y'all reach out to us, if someone reach out, reaches out to us, we can do our best to make a referral outside the state. OK, perfect. That's Thank you so though. much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it. Thank you so much. Yes, thank we, you. Like I said, we could really just sit here and talk to you all night long, but you <laughs> mm-hmm. have a whole family that is <laughs> that yeah. also needs you. But thank you so much. I feel like this, even if it's just the two of us going to our husbands <laughs> to have like a download from the episode, I feel like it's definitely going to help people out. And it's a mm-hmm. The topic people don't want to always talk about, but it's definitely necessary. And I think we're becoming, I think the young, like our generation is more open to it than others because they're seeing all the worst case scenarios and they don't want that, you know, like how the aesthetic of like luxury and all of that is like, you know, all the nice, glossy, shiny things of being an adult that's kind of popular and trendy now. I feel like it goes beyond just, you know, going to Singapore, Dubai or wherever it is. It's like it's also making sure that I'm comfortable. My family's comfortable. The family that comes after me is comfortable and and set up properly. So, yeah, like you just put me on a whole other topic because I was just thinking about how, like, like you say, it's all about that aesthetic. Mm -hmm. But then. You die without a will. Oh, you're going to be drugged through the, through the mud. You know, look at yeah. her. She was in Dubai, Singapore, this and that. And she didn't have a will. Like another one of my fears, I didn't, and the, my house is not like super clean at all by any means, but I used to be really scared if my house was really dirty, that I was going to leave the house and something happened and people had to come into my house and they're going to be like, oh, Look at this dirty house. Like, she is so nasty. Like, I didn't want that to happen. I will You're not the only person who thinks that way, though. <laughs> Seriously. I'm like, dang, I could get into a car accident and then somebody got to go and get me closed. Of all the days, they had right. to come today. <laughs> right, right. In that case, yesterday, it would have been all right. But today was a mess. So, yeah, I think about that. And, like, with social media, you're going to be on there in Dubai. And you get into a situation while you out there, they're going to be like, she was in Dubai and she didn't even have a will. You know, it's just mm-hmm. like these days you'll be put on blast. <laughs> it's true. I saw this TikTok mm, some months ago and it was like, I guess, an ad because this girl has like a good size following. 
but it was showing the different sides of like if grandma passes away you know grandma that passed away that had a will and all her estates in order is like oh they come to the funeral they happy they like crying but they got on fur coat and all of that you know they're looking good and they're like oh i'm gonna miss her but you know she got me a house. She got me this, that, and the other. Like, you know, she was looking out. And then they show the other side of, like, the grandma that didn't have nothing together. And they basically almost cussing grandma out at the funeral. <laughs> I mean, not really, but it's like... I gotta pay this bill. Uh-huh. They just talking all about her. And then you see, like, grandma's face, like, changing. Because it's like, okay, grandma, you're supposed to be passed away. But it's like, you hear her. You hear your grandchild talking all this mess about you. <laughs> So then you make your faces in the casket. Yeah, exactly. But the whole thing was like, get your stuff in order, blah, 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 blah. It was an ad. It was, I think, like a primary ad. But I was like, okay. But still, it got people to thinking. And it was a funny way of like putting that reality um, together. Because that's true. That's true. I mean, I think my grandparents on my mom's side, granted, they had wills, but they're old. And I think some of it was like, if, especially for my grandma, it's like, if I pass away, everything goes to Wilton. Well, my grandpa passed away in 2018. Okay. And then if it doesn't go to her, uh, him, I think some of the stuff was supposed to go to my great aunt who passed away at the beginning of 2018. So it was like, uh, okay. But now because she has dementia and we suspect Alzheimer's, now we can't necessarily just like update the will as easily as if you know and her power of attorney and all those things haven't been outlined and it's been rough on my mom and I try to help her with a lot of that so um yeah very Mm -hmm. fun times but this is a conversation we all need to have so Mm -hmm. yeah well thank y'all so much for inviting me it's um it was a pleasure. I know it's been a long time coming, but I'm so glad that oh, we, yeah. we were able to make it happen. Definitely, definitely. And I'm excited. Um, like I said before, this represents kind of the new shift of topics that we're going to dive into. Really, really excited for you to have been a part of that and for this to be such a great episode. I know it's going to be one that everyone's just going to enjoy. So, Okay. It was nice meeting you, Veronica. Yes. (laughs) Same here to Nia. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you have a very, very great night. Um, Thank you so much to your family for allowing us to talk to you for the last hour and a half. So we'll let you enjoy the rest of your night. If you ever wanted to find anyone that has ever been shouted out on this show and all 300 plus wedding vendors that have been shouted out, which is a wild to even think of, but you will be able to find them on find.huidu.com. So if you don't remember what we said, or you're listening to an episode later and you want to look that person up, or maybe you don't remember how to spell their name or what have you, you can always go there and easily find them. So just a little mental note. But Tania, where can people find us? You can find us on whoido.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, TikTok. And you can find Ashley at Demi Tosh on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find me at Belsori on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you again. We'll be back. See y'all next week. <laughs> <laughs>